spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Two producer development commissions are holding winter regional meetings this week. Saskwheat was in Kenora Tuesday for its Think Wheat program with another stop in Watrous yesterday and today at Outlook. And of course, the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers held one of its regional meetings Tuesday in Swift Current. We will hear from a couple of speakers, one from each of those meetings. A wheat growers convention that was set for today and tomorrow in Regina has been cancelled. We'll hear from the president of the wheat growers, Gunter Joachim, about why that is. The Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan is making sure all the bases are covered into the review of the proposed merger of Viterra and Bungie. We'll hear from Ian Boxall, the president of APAS. And some call it a mystery chickpea disease, while researchers refer to it as an emerging health issue. The problem surfaced in southern Saskatchewan in 2019, and Michelle Hubbard is a plant pathology research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Swift Current. She will fill us in on this mystery chickpea disease. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to Saskag Today. Two producer development commissions are holding winter regional meetings this week. Sask Wheat was in Kenora Tuesday for its Think Wheat program with another stop in Watrous yesterday and today at Outlook. Marlena Borsch with Mercantile Consulting Venture told producers that while global wheat consumption is growing, Canada's share of that market has shrunk to 11%. Global wheat production has hit 785 million metric tons. Borsch says the traded wheat market has grown more than 50% since the early 1990s. Which is very impressive because when you just look at production, you think, oh my God, what do we do with all this? But the wheat trade has also increased impressively. And then I showed what portion we take thereof, and our exports haven't grown along with the size of the pile. So we have increased exports over the last number of years as well, but our market share has been falling. Russia's share of the wheat trade is growing, thanks in part to a weak ruble. So they were quite eager to ship when we said, well, it's no longer so profitable and we are less enthused about selling our wheat. So they have been very aggressive in the markets. We're also in an environment where we have more inflation and a lot of economies are doing less well, so they've been buying a little bit more slowly. 
Global wheat prices are down about 20% in the past year. Despite this, Borscht believes Canadian wheat area will see a slight increase this spring. This is for next year that wheat prices could actually be plateauing and potentially go up a bit. We will have to watch weather very, very closely because there are quite a few shorts in the wheat market who will get very nervous if there are serious problems on the production side. So again, it will be a volatile market. Borsch made her comments at the Sask Wheat Think Wheat event Tuesday in Kenora. Meantime, Saskatchewan Pulse Growers held one of its regional meetings Tuesday in Swift Current. Jonathan Dreger with FarmLink Marketing Solutions presented the market outlook. We do expect about a 10% increase in pea acres this next year. Still much lower than what we were typically growing for about, you know, almost a decade before that though. Pretty heavily weighted to greens in our view. Maybe a smaller increase in yellows. So that's kind of what we're thinking. Now, if we get a bump in yields, of course, the production increase will be higher. uh, But this is a drought map of uh, Canada and uh, up to the end of December. And there's not very many parts of the Western Canada that aren't ranging from either fairly dry to extremely dry. But it does, in terms of making a forecast, difficult. Because again, if we have a few timely rains in spring, suddenly everyone's going to forget that this map ever existed. Canadian yellow pea exports to India have improved since a decision in early December that saw import tariffs lowered by 50% until the end of March. The question is, will the lower tariffs be extended beyond March 31st? Will they extend it? Uh, Will they not extend it? That's kind of hard to say. We're kind of optimistic that they might. And I say that cautiously, because by no means is that guaranteed, but they've extended it for some other crops. Their key elections are in April and May. Prices are still relatively high for a lot of pulses. The pieces are sort of lining up that we might get an extension. And if so, that really matters. And that's really important, especially if it's a window that maybe our new crop production could benefit from as well. Prior to November of 2017, India had been Canada's largest market for peas. China is currently the number one buyer of Canadian peas, but has been looking to Russia as an additional supplier. Moving to lentils, carryover supplies are low, especially for large greens. Australia is a major competitor in the red lentil market, and that has kept those bids in check. This is Dreger's outlook for 2024. We are looking for a small bump in acres in total, but again, they're going to be kept at a pretty low level. And we, we've spent a lot of the day hearing about, you know, some of the disease challenges and those sorts of things. And, and ultimately between just considering rotations and seed supplies and so forth, it's certainly not a lack of price incentive to put more green lentils in the ground. You know, it might be seed availability, rotation, some of those things that limit that. So we are looking for a bump in lentil acres. Reds maybe just up fractionally. Not very much. We think most of the increase will probably be in green lentils is kind of what we're anticipating here. Chickpea supplies are also tight, but prices are below large green lentils. 2023 saw higher chickpea area combined with lower yields, and that resulted in slightly larger production. As for chickpea area this upcoming year... Probably up to about 350,000. So, you know, it's actually pretty high by historical standards. It's, you know, over the last decade or so. Not the peak, but certainly we we think we'll see a bump in acres here to, you know, relatively high levels based on kind of what what we've been seeing. And again, I think the incentive is there to do so. Jonathan Dreger with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. He was speaking at Tuesday's Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Regional Meeting 
in Swift Current. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Ice Futures canola contracts continued to show some modest strength during the week ended yesterday as the market stabilized above the lows hit earlier in the month. However, whether the uptrend continues or canola retreats to fresh lows remains to be seen. Markets farm analyst Mike Jubinville says while the market was showing signs of creating a bottom, there's a pattern in the canola market going back to the summer where we sell off, sell off too hard, then rebound a bit and consolidate, and then fall again, adding there was nothing yet to indicate the pattern had changed. With the March contract trading right around its 20-day moving average yesterday at $634.30 per metric ton, Jubinville placed the next upside target at the former support level around $650 to $660 per metric ton. He notes that a move below $600 was still entirely possible. As farmers in the United States get ready to plant their crops in 2024, there has been speculation of how much corn and soybeans they will plant. Scott Caponegro of Barrington Commodity Brokers in Barrington, Illinois, says everyone in the industry is talking less corn and more beans. He thinks the biggest switch in acres will be in North Dakota and South Dakota. Illinois and Iowa usually stick to their guns with their crop rotations. Caponegro says a couple of new soybean facilities are due to come online in the near future, which should improve the crop's demand. Added to that is the cost of production for corn, which has eroded its profitability. FCC's top economist is urging farmers to find any way they can to save money, as the ag lender projects a 4.8% decline in farm cash receipts in 2024 on the heels of lower commodity prices. J.P. Gervais, the vice president and chief economist with Farm Credit Canada, says in this environment he thinks that management skills are absolutely critical. He says any 2, 3, 4 or 5 percent that you can get in terms of efficiency, in terms of productivity, will help on the bottom line because there's a multiplicative effect when it comes to lowering your costs and the impact on the overall profitability of operations. That said, Gervais is cautiously optimistic about Canadian agriculture this year. He's optimistic because we're going to get relief when it comes to interest rates. There was a reshuffling of Canada's leading potato-producing provinces in 2023, according to a report from Statistics Canada released Tuesday. At 32.063 million hundredweight of potatoes this year, Alberta vaulted from second to first place as it improved on the previous year's crop of 26.813 million. Manitoba moved into second spot from third with its harvest of 29.76 million per hundredweight following last year's 26.139 million. Prince Edward Island saw its output reduced in 2023 to 25.813 million per hundredweight from 27.789 million. In 2023, 
The trio combined for 68% of Canada's total potato harvest of 128,801 million hundredweight. Victoria Stamper, general manager of the United Potato Growers of Canada, notes production in eastern Canada was mostly down in 2023. She says PEI was hit with rain during its harvest, while Quebec and New Brunswick contended with wet conditions through their summer and during harvest as well. The Canada and Manitoba governments through the Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership are investing over $1.5 million over the next five years to the Keystone Agricultural Producers for the FarmSafe Manitoba program to promote safe and healthy farm operations in Manitoba. With the agriculture industry facing evolving challenges, this CAP-led program provides a set of strategies and initiatives that meet the growing demand for farm safety education and support. FarmSafe Manitoba provides farm-specific resources, safety assessments, hazard identification, risk management guidance, and training sessions. The FarmSafe Manitoba program provides resources that cover various aspects of farm safety, including machinery operation, livestock handling, chemical handling, and emergency preparedness. And Saskang Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskang Today. And yes, it is free. Please stay tuned. Saskang Today will return right after this. Welcome back to Saskank Today. I'm Doug Falconer. We have fog and minus 7 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. A wheat growers convention that was set for today and tomorrow in Regina has been cancelled. President of the wheat growers, Gunter Joachim, says it was due to the timing of the event not working out for most members. In the past, we've had uh, some of our members had uh, expressed interest in having a convention on the prairies, either Winnipeg, Regina, or Calgary, and so we chose Regina because it's very centrally located. However, there wasn't much interest, uh, and we decided to postpone the convention then, and we are planning uh, convention for the spring of 2025, and uh, there's a good chance it won't be on the prairies. He then clarified the meeting could potentially be somewhere else in North America. We've had very successful uh, conventions when we've had it in the States. Uh, we even had one in Mexico one, one year that was extremely well attended, and so we're looking at uh, those options. Following the change, Yoakum announced there will be a virtual annual general meeting of the wheat growers next month. We're still working on, on some of those details. So our financial outlook is uh, still very strong, and um, it's pretty much just going over the stuff we've been doing uh, this year, trying to get our government engaged uh, on the carbon tax, on uh, grain commission 
changes, uh, kind of Grain Act changes, uh, as well as we started a mentorship program this fall, which we where we had a tremendous uptake, and we chose two mentees, one from Saskatchewan, one from Alberta, and uh, yeah, that's about it in a nutshell. Again, the Wheat Growers Convention scheduled for this week has been cancelled, and in its place will be a virtual AGM on February 26th at 7 p.m. Meanwhile, the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, or APAS, is making sure all the bases are covered into the review of the proposed merger of Viterra and Bungie. In October, APAS, along with Sask Wheat, Sask Barley, and Sask Canola, called on the Saskatchewan government to conduct a thorough risk assessment on the merger. The federal government, the Competition Bureau of Canada, and Transport Canada are also looking into it. Ian Boxall, the president of APAS, says they've submitted an official response to Transport Canada. I think it's just important that we look at all aspects of this merger. We look at how this is going to affect rail transportation, how it's going to affect port issues or, you know, loading the ships at the port and how it's going to affect that. And I think just everything within the supply chain. This is, with Viterra having, you know, 27% of the province's grain sales and, and would be increased with this merger, we need to ensure that Saskatchewan producers' interests are looked after. And I'm, and I'm happy to hear that Transport Canada, the provincial government, the federal government all agree that we need to do a bigger dive into this, that this isn't just going to be rubber stamped and gone through, that we need to make sure that we've looked at all sides of this. So I'm happy to hear. The written response details concern APAS has with the merger from the potential impact on producer delivery opportunities and balance of market power to transportation efficiencies. The farm group also recommends regulatory measures such as inter-switching and support for short-line rail operations to counterbalance consolidation trends and support the viability of grain handling facilities. We've done some background work and then laid out our concerns on, on this merger and so we've submitted that document around to you know, the respective parties that need to see it, so let's hope that they look. Transport Canada is also looking for written feedback through a public interest review process. Boxall encourages members to submit their thoughts on the merger to the federal agency. Absolutely. If you have issues about this merger and you see concerns, reach out to APAS or send, send the submission right to Transport Canada. Let's make sure that they have everybody's thoughts on, on what this is going to look like for the future of grain sales and grain movement in Saskatchewan. Transport Canada's assessment is expected to be completed by June 2nd at the latest. Then a report will be provided to the Transportation Minister. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 177.02. That's up 167. April live cattle trading at 180.20 up 185. March feeder cattle trading at 237.47, that's up 370. April feeder cattle trading at 243.27, up 347. February lean hogs trading at 74.12, up 22. April lean hogs trading at 82.62, up 60. 
And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Producers, Junior for Heartland Livestock Yorkton with your market report for the week of January 24th. Nice run on offer here with 2770 in the sort, 300 cows and bulls for a total of 3070 On the feeder market, the lighter cows are under big demand and the heavier cattle steady to lower on a few classes. The heifers are higher this week in all classes. Here's a few highlights of this sale. Five six to eight buckskin steers four sixteen six forty five weights at three sixty seven ninety to three thirty on the block steers four twenty two at four eighty five hundred pounds at four twenty six and the eight fifty eight weights at three oh four on the red X steers five oh one at four thirty six forty at three sixty and eight hundred fifty five pound red X steers at three sixteen on the heifer trade seven twelve weight buckskin heifers at three oh two fifty four ninety weights at three seventy three your block heifers four twenty five at three ninety seven oh nine weights at two ninety. On the red X heifers, 500 pounds at 374, 705 weights at 298. On the cow and bull trade, we saw 300 cows average $1.1650. D1, D2 cows, 114 to 128, sales to 130. D3 cows, 106 to 113. Your light shelly cows, 50 to 98. And your half rats, 138 to 196. On the bull trade, the bulls average $1.43 or the high of $1.63 on a good exotic bull. Producers, bread cow sale Friday, January 26, 11 a.m., 200-plus cows on offer, including herd dispersal of 28 exotic cross cows bred Charlay or blocks for March-April calving. Herd dispersal of 70 block cows bred Angus for April calving and 15 cow-calf pairs from the same herd. Also, 16 purebred horned Hereford cows bred Hereford for end of March-April calving, plus many more consignments. We will have free sorts every week. Be sure to call in to get your cattle booked. This has been Junior for Heartland York, and thank you, and have a great day. Welcome back to Saskank Today. Some call it a mystery chickpea disease, while researchers refer to it as an emerging health issue. The problem surfaced in 2019 in the Gravelberg, Assiniboia, and Coronac regions of southern Saskatchewan. It reappeared again the following year. Both those years featured early dry conditions followed by a big dump of rain. Chickpea plants had a lot of chlorosis, wilting, and some plant die-off. Michelle Hubbard is a plant pathology research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Swift Current. She made a presentation at a Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Regional Meeting on Tuesday. My main conclusion is the mystery persists. We still don't have a good explanation. But we are learning some interesting things about chickpeas in general and things that even if they don't solve this issue could be useful to know. And some merit further explanation, like drought, the impact of verticillium dalli, especially in hot conditions. What, if any, role do these nematodes play? Are there other nematodes that we don't know about in chickpeas in Saskatchewan? How do different chickpea varieties respond to drought or to nematodes or to the chickpea emerging health issue, and then interactions between factors. Hubbard says the disease has not spread very much over the past three years. I wouldn't say it's spreading rapidly. It's most localized in the southwest of Saskatchewan, like around Assiniboia and Cornac. And we have seen some fields in this area, but I don't think it's spreading at all. Like, I don't think it's in the last couple of years, it's not like it's expanding. It may be expanded a little bit between 2019 and 20, but I don't feel like it's spreading or in the last couple of years, it's been mild. There have been reports of the mystery chickpea disease in other parts of the world, 
definitely in the U.S., just south of us, that there's no good explanation, but it has shown up, including sometimes in greenhouse trials in autoclave soil, but similar to us, nothing really reproducible. And I've also been in contact with researchers in Australia and heard some reports of it there. But no clear solutions have come out of that, just that the mystery exists in other places. Research will continue to study soils and plant samples. The heavy metals we haven't tested yet, but that's something I think we could look at. Or maybe changes in solubility of aluminum or something to do with pH. That's It's a possibility. We have looked at nutrient analysis in the chickpea residue themselves and a lot of different soil testings, like salinity and pH, and found nothing with any of those. And we do have, we have one more year where Jeff Shano is going to do nutrient analysis, comparing the chickpeas from healthy and unhealthy fields from the 2023 season, and we're still waiting for the results on that. Michelle Hubbard is a plant pathology research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada at Swift Current, she spoke to Pulse producers about the latest research about a so-called mystery disease in chickpeas south of the Trans-Canada Highway. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. March canola trading at 625.30, down $9 per metric ton. May canola trading at 630.40, down $8.70. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 706.5, that's up 2 cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 635.5, up 9 and 3 quarters of a cent. March Chicago wheat trading at 610 and a half down a quarter of a cent march corn trading at 450 and 3 quarters down 1 and a half cents march soybeans trading at 1221 and a quarter down 19 cents march oats trading at 367 and a half up 1 and 3 quarters of a cent and that's the commodities update the executive director of Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan says with an increasing smaller percentage of the population involved in the production of food, it's important for those who are engaged in agriculture to be ready to share their stories. Executive Director Clinton Monchuk explains what Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan is. Sure, so Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan was developed back in 2014 specifically to try and engage with consumers to make sure that they understand a little bit more about what farmers and ranchers are doing here in the province of Saskatchewan and, and kind of expanding throughout Canada. So the whole reason behind this is because we feel there's a lag with some of the information and the more we can get out and engage with consumers, the more knowledge they will have about what we do. He says consumers seem quite aware of what goes on in relation to the production of food. So I think a, a lot of consumers have a basic idea of what's happening in terms of food production, but they don't truly understand a lot of the different technologies that we use or different practices. So this creates, I would say, a little bit of disequilibrium of information. So they might go online and try and find out 
you know, answers to their questions and go down a rabbit hole of, of bad information. So again, this kind of gets back to the making sure consumers truly do understand the true story of, of how food is being produced. Monchuk tells us where consumers seem to be getting their information. So the, the big thing is online searches. So, so people go online to figure out answers to these questions. They may or may not be true. It just depends on how you word that question in the Google search uh, to get those responses. So I think therein lies some of the critical thinking that we want to make sure people do and, and actually look at factual, truthful information um, and go to sources like, and for example, with Farm and Food Care, we have a brand called Canadian Food Focus where we do have lots of food and farming related information that consumers can go to. He notes the rural urban population mix has changed a lot over the years. So it's it's interesting if you go back to the start of confederation here in the country the predominant split was about 85 percent lived in rural Canada and 15 percent in the urban urban areas at that time if you look at where we're at today we have about 82 percent of the population that lives in urban area and the other 18 percent lives in a rural so so just because of that just because we have so much of the population that actually lives in an urban area the ability for them to even have that association with farmers and see what farmers are actually doing is less and less whereby you know some of the information or what they see it, it doesn't exist so they have to go online to find those those uh, answers to their questions monchuk believes farmers can become more engaged in spreading the word about agriculture today so, so the big thing that, that we like to do is make sure that farmers can feel comfortable and confident talking about their own farm. So, you know, this could happen on a, a you know, a bus or a, in an airport or at a community event. And just having that ability to feel comfortable talking about your own farm increases that engagement. And that's what we're really encouraging a lot of people to do um, in those one-off conversations. Or if you feel comfortable, go online and post video of your harvesting or what you're doing with your hogs or your poultry or your cattle. Just things to actually engage with the general public. He has some tips for farmers who want to pass their message along to consumers. The, the, the big thing that I would say is to try and keep things pretty general. Realize the perspective of somebody that's not from a farm or, or from a rural area may not understand fully how hogs are being raised, for example. So to keep it kind of basic, um, give that person you're talking to a better understanding of how you raise the hogs. Um, just amplifies and increases that level of understanding and engagement with the, with consumers. So keep it keep it simple and, and start off with your own story. Monchuk says there are paybacks for effective and engaging communication with consumers. So the the big thing, and we're looking more into this to try and figure out, put some some uh, numbers around this for the future. But right now, when when you look at policy development, especially in Ottawa, and the disconnect that a lot of the policymakers have from agriculture, you can see policies that are coming down into the, the agriculture industry that really don't, um, or, or some of them that don't really meet the needs of, of farmers, or they're a little bit off base. And we see that 
possibly becoming worse and worse when that lack of understanding of how farmers actually grow food, um, the lack of understanding is getting greater and greater. So I think we're starting to see some of that and that's why it really is all of us in agriculture's uh, responsibility to make sure we get the truth out there. And he had these final comments. I would just say that I think there's something that we all can do and whether it's that just conversation with people on the bench at a sporting event or, or our kids uh, musical play whatever it happens to be there are those opportunities to engage with people in our community and we just have to take them one conversation at a time. That's Clinton Monchuk he is the executive director of Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan. Please stay tuned. Your Farm Bulletin Board is coming up in one minute's time. Farm Bulletin Board. It's not too late to place a bid on grassland restoration with the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation. If you're interested in seeding cultivated land back to native prairie, you can place a bid on their reverse auction for an opportunity to receive financial compensation for your restoration project. By restoring grasslands, you increase long-term grazing resources, biodiversity, and reduce habitat fragmentation for species at risk, especially in areas of critical habitat. However, bidding closes on January 31st. You can contact the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation to learn more about the reverse auction process and how to place a bid. You can go online at www.ssgf.ca. You can email them at communications at ssgf.ca or simply give them a call at 306-530-1385. And once again, the deadline for that is coming up. It's January 31st, next Wednesday. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. And that'll do it for Saskang today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program.